Hello everyone and welcome to a very quick little unorthodoxy episode. I just want to home in on one tiny little theological idea and then explore a few of its implications. And the idea here is that of God's absolute difference from creation and how this relates to three things, namely creation, the incarnation and redemption. It's a theological idea, but I think it has some wonderful and powerful implications for psychology and spirituality. Although I'm not going to explore those here, what I'm going to do is explain the idea very briefly, cover a few themes that are related to it, and then hand it over to you uh, to see what you make of it. it. It may be something that you enjoy pondering. In the beginning, God creates the universe out of nothing. This is the doctrine of creatio ex nihilo, the idea that creation is not made out of God's substance, but out of nothing. This is the sort of thing you could write endless books about, but the thing I want to highlight here is simply this idea that this means that God and creation are infinitely different. While God brings things into being and sustains them too, he is more other than anything imaginable, more like nothing in a way, than like anything else in creation. And what this suggests, among other things, is that God's relationship with creation is, at its very root, non-rivalrous. There is no competition between creation and God. Of course, we are prone to adopting the lie that there is a rivalry, given that we are bound up in finite being. But this is something suggested even in the first of the Ten Commandments. To have no other gods before God is simply to accept the reality that there can be no real competition between God and things. This makes sense to me, since after all the commandments, completely unlike most bureaucratic legalities, are keys to perceiving reality as it is. Where we go wrong in relating to God is often, if not always, along the lines of rivalry. And certainly the issue is that we can treat our relative things as absolute in some sense. We can worship stuff, but not the transcendent ground of being. But even this mistake is, to follow along the lines of Augustinian thought, to love and enjoy things in themselves instead of regarding them as portals to connection with divinity. St. Augustine's writings put this into perspective by suggesting that things are to be used, not enjoyed. Only God is to be enjoyed in himself. And so things in this view become, in a way, transparent, like stained glass windows that reveal the light beyond them. That is, this happens when we perceive rightly. Nothing in creation is really a rival of God. And it is at least one of the lessons of Genesis 3 that the moment we see things in rivalry with God, we fall, which is to say that we end up exiting Eden. Or rather, as G.K. Chesterton suggests, we think we have left Eden when it is only our eyes that have changed. This points to something amazing about the theological significance of the Incarnation. That is, as John says, of the word becoming flesh. The point is that in Christ we find 100% divinity and 100% humanity. To say he is fully or truly God and fully and truly human is to say that his divine self and human self exist in an 
absolutely non-competitive manner. This is something that we may tend to struggle with if we are thinking too mathematically. To add pure humanity to pure divinity seems like bad math since we tend to feel that the result must be a mixture like some hybrid creature in a fantasy novel which ends up by being a mixture as neither the one thing nor the other. But in Jesus, the non-competitive nature of God is placed right before our eyes in his very humanity, in his personhood. And at least part of what it means to trust Jesus is to reclaim this truth, that divinity is non-competitive, that to be is not to be in competition with God at any point. And if we are in competition with God, it is not God we believe in, but our idea of God that we believe in. In reality, again, there simply are no other gods but God. Theologically speaking, heresies always, in some or another way, want to tamper with this. They will say Jesus was just a man or a mixture between divinity and humanity or something else. However, the trouble is that such heresies end up representing a fundamental distrust in the very possibility of a perfect union of God and man. Liberal and radical theologies, for example, in trying to make theology less Platonist, end up making theology less theological. Many charismatic theologies I've encountered by trying to make theology less materialistic end up making theology too Gnostic. The error in both of these visions is essentially the same, though, that it is assumed that somehow God and creation are not utterly different and therefore are at odds with each other in some way. Redemption then may mean many things, but at the very least it must mean entering into the life of Christ, which involves a double movement, a nearness to our deepest and truest humanity, which also happens to be nearness to the deepest and truest fact of existence, that God will be all and in all. To be human, to be fragile, embodied, capable of dying, vulnerable to illness, capable of exploring our gifts in many often unsexy ways, none of this is at odds with finding the life of God. And in fact, I think that a great deal of finding the life of God, of recognizing the kingdom of God at hand, is simply about recognizing that God is so radically different from us that he can also be, because of this very fact, nearer to us than we are to ourselves.